So it's 1 Corinthians chapter 6. If any of you has a dispute with another, do you dare take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the Lord's people? Or do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? Therefore, if you have disputes about such matters, do you ask for a ruling from those whose way of life is scorned in the church? I say this to shame you. Is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers? But instead, one brother takes another to court, and this in front of unbelievers. The very fact you have lawsuits among you means you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brothers and sisters. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. I have the right to do anything, you say, for not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say, food for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unties himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But whoever is, um, is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honour God with your bodies. What is your body? Is it a blank canvas, uh, an empty page for me to project uh, my true identity onto, something to, to pierce and ink and sculpt, Uh, to shape how I like? Is it a machine? Is it just a physical tool uh, to use for work, for pleasure, for sex, just flesh and blood? Is that what it is? Is it a temporary house? Is it a place for my spirit to live, a place for my soul kind of to to inhabit for this life, but then something bad that I have to escape uh, in the end? How do you think about it? What is your body? Well, in, chapter, in this chapter, Paul tackles uh, two separate issues, and they feel very different. I don't know if you noticed that. On the one hand, it's lawsuits, and then it's uh, sexual immorality. It's going to court and going to prostitutes. They're the two issues, and they seem quite different. But in both cases, the Corinthians misunderstand something about who they are. They misunderstand something about their future reality and their present identity. Paul 
uh, needs to deal with how they think about themselves as a church body and how they think about their physical bodies. And in both cases, he wants to show them uh, something about their future reality and their present identity. And he wants them to live in line with who they are. He wants them to live in line with who they are. And so that's going to be uh, super helpful for us to look at tonight uh, because there's a lot of confusion in our culture about who we are, about our our identity. And so tonight we're going to get God's look at that. It's not just going to be a list of do's and don'ts, uh, but a way of thinking about our bodies and our identity. And the aim is to know what we will be, our future reality, and what we are now, our present identity. So let's tackle the first issue. Uh, lawsuits among believers. Uh, it's there in verse 6. Uh, one brother takes another to court, and this in front of unbelievers. Now, you might think, hold on, what's wrong with that? You know, the court's fair. Uh, that's a good way to solve a problem. Christians should use a system like the courts, uh, so it's all public and above board. Let's, let's do this. But it wasn't above board and fair in Corinth. See, the legal system uh, back then had much more to do with money and social standing than anything irrelevant like facts or, you know, the truth. Um, What mattered was how fancy your name was or how fat your wallet was. That's what made the difference. And so there's these civil disputes among people in the church and they're not approaching it as Christians, they're approaching it as Corinthians. They're using this system of bribery and social capital to cheat and wrong each other, it says there in verse 8. And Paul is outraged. How dare you? How dare you, he says. Verse 1, if any of you has a dispute with one another, do you dare take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the Lord's people? They aren't seeking justice. They're exploiting a corrupt system to gain status over each other. And Paul says, you have not grasped the future reality of who you will be as God's people. Uh, See it there in verse 3. Do you not know that we will judge angels? No, I did not know that. What is going on? Verse 2 is a little bit simpler. Do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? Now, uh, that doesn't mean uh, that somehow we'll be running Judgment Day and uh, kind of sorting all that out. It's not saying that. It's, It's kind of broader. It's Paul pointing out that in the new creation, God's people will rule that creation under him. It's this amazing honour that will be given to God's people, this future reality will be what we were always created to be. Rulers of God's perfect world under him. The way that Adam and Eve were always meant to rule the garden. Uh, If you know the story, it's like the children in Narnia who become kings and queens. That's C.S. Lewis painting a picture of exactly this idea that God's people will rule the new creation. But if that's their future reality... How come they can't work out small disputes now? Paul says it doesn't make sense. You don't understand your future reality. And so they're living wrong in the present. And ironically, uh, by going down this path, 
they're disqualifying themselves from God's kingdom. Verse 9. Let's read it together. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, when we read these verses, our ears uh, prick up at the mention of homosexual sex there, uh, and I'm totally fine for us to ask some questions about that later in question time, Uh, but here Paul is dealing with their cheating of one another in court. And so what he does is he puts those things uh, in with all this other stuff, like adultery, uh, things that they would have agreed put you outside the kingdom. And he says, by going to court, you're being greedy. You're slandering each other. You're swindling each other. And Paul says, don't you know that to live like that is to, to disqualify yourself from the kingdom? But of course, they do know that. Because, verse 11... That is what some of you were. He says, you were like that. That was, that was totally where, where you sat with God. Set against him, but not anymore. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Uh, those three words that uh, Joe picked up for us. Washed, sanctified, Justified. That's what's happened when they've trusted Jesus. And so they've changed from being outside God's kingdom to being qualified for it. Washed clean, made perfect. It's their status words. They're like a change of status that has happened to them. Like when a judge declares someone to be not guilty. Or when a minister declares two people to be husband and wife. A new status is, is formed. And so their present identity is that they are clean, perfect, acceptable to God. And Paul's point is that they should live in line with their present identity. He says, don't contradict that with your actions. It's like an orphan being taken from the streets and given a new home and a new life, adopted so that they have an inheritance and they have money and given a job in the family business. But then six months later, mum and dad can't find them at home anymore and they look everywhere and eventually they find them back on the streets, stealing from shops. And you think, why? You know, why when you have everything? You know, you've got a new home, you have a new identity. Why go back to the old one? And Paul says, you've been washed, sanctified, justified, Why would you go back to cheating and swindling? That's what some of you were. Paul wants them to understand their future reality, what they will be, uh, rulers of God's uh, new world under him. And he wants them to know their present identity, who they are now, uh, washed children of God, so that they live in line with that. And he takes them through the same steps for the next issue. Uh, It seems that the Christians in Corinth have been heading along to prostitutes. And you think, come on, guys, uh, even that? But 
It's because of how they think about their bodies. Have a look uh, there in verse 12. There's, there's these slogans that Paul kind of, uh, that they obviously have, and Paul kind of repeats back to them. I have the right to do anything, they say. Or verse 13, you say, food for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. See, they think that the body's just a machine. It's just for the here and now. You know, a machine needs fuel, so put some food in it, and a machine needs maintenance, so, you know, you've got to have sex sometimes. But it doesn't matter, right? It's of no consequence. The real me is the spiritual me. That's the one that matters. And my body's just for me anyway. You know, I have the right to do anything because I'm spiritual. And Paul says, no. Our bodies aren't like that. They're not just machines for us to use however we want. He says they have a future and a purpose. Verse 13, the body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us also. He says, think about your future reality. The Lord will raise these bodies. So they have a future. And if they have a future, it means they have a purpose. The Christian hope isn't that one day we'll die and leave our messy bodies and kind of our spirits will float up and and live in a cloud somewhere. No, because Jesus has been raised in a body and so we will be raised in a body too. And so how you use your body now matters. How you use your body now matters. Your body has a purpose and it has a future. And the purpose is for the Lord. Uh, I once lived with some mates in a house that was going to be demolished. And um, there is nothing more liberating. I highly recommend living in a house that's going to be knocked down. Uh, Anything goes. You know, you just do whatever you like to the place. Um, Motorbike repairs in the living room, that was happening. Uh, Just whatever out the back. It had no future, right? The house was just going to be knocked down. So it had no purpose. So anything, anything could happen there. We could do whatever we wanted to the walls, our bodies have a future, a future reality. We will be raised, and so they have a purpose. They're for the Lord. That's the future reality, but even more, Paul wants them to understand their present identity. Have a look at verses 15 and 19. He asks two more of these, do you not know questions? Like, they kind of should know, but you're acting like you don't know. Uh, Verse 15, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Verse 19, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? See, don't they know that? They kind of do. But uh, what they've got is a a disconnect between uh, their thinking about their salvation, their union with Christ, and their thinking about their bodies. And Paul says, you're united to Christ... But that means your body is united to Christ too. And you've got the Holy Spirit in you, but that means your body has the Holy Spirit in it as well. 
See, the real you isn't your soul that, you know, somehow you, the spirit floats around in. No, the real you is sitting in those chairs, body, soul, and spirit. And so if you're a Christian and you're spiritually united with Christ, then your physical body is counted as a member of Christ. They aren't separate things. And so to take your body that Christ is in and unite that with a prostitute, Paul says, never, never, never let that happen. And the same is true for us. Our present identity in Christ should be the chief motivation for our sexual purity. Notice that in explaining this, uh, Paul says something about the nature of sex that I think we need to hear, that sex is not just a a physical encounter. Did you see that? Uh, Verse 16, Paul quotes from the first ever marriage in Genesis about the joining of a man and a woman as one flesh, and he says that same profound union happens between you guys and a one-off trip to a prostitute. You actually become one flesh with them. Isn't that significant? Sex sex is not just a physical encounter, as if uh, sexual immorality could be consequence-free. We can't say, it doesn't matter, it's just sex, because it binds us together with the other person. And it's meant to be that way. God has created sex like that to bond people within the security of marriage. Sex isn't just a physical transaction. That's what he's saying in talking about this uh, their situation of going to prostitutes. But it's, it's worth saying for us that porn and lust are no better. Uh, they involve us sexually but don't bind us to anyone real, just pictures. And so it deadens us to the real attachment with real people uh, that comes within uh, the one flesh relationship of marriage. Sexual immorality has a profound and damaging effect on us. Paul says, you sin against your own body. It damages us, it unravels relationships, and it destroys our union with Christ. And so, here's the action. Flee. Flee from sexual immorality. Verse 18. That's what Paul says to the Corinthians in a culture that was awash with sexual immorality, with prostitution and all these kind of things. He says, flee from it. Uh, The word that Paul uses in this passage for sexual immorality is is the word porneia. It's where we get the word pornography. And the NIV translates it as sexual immorality, which is actually a good fit because it's a kind of a catch-all term. It refers to all kinds of sexual relations that fall outside of that lifelong exclusive marriage between a man and a woman. Anything outside of that is porneia, according to the Bible. And so that includes things that are mentioned here, like uh, adultery and prostitution, uh, pornography as well, but also lots of things that our culture finds acceptable, even good. Uh, Things like cohabitation, sleeping together before you're married, one-night stands, uh, same-sex sexual activity, movies and TV shows with sex scenes, all these kind of things. And verse 18 says, flee, flee from it. Don't walk, run. 
So what does it look like to flee from sexual immorality? Uh, is it fleeing to just flirt a little bit at work? It's not really fleeing, is it? Is it fleeing to hang out in your girlfriend's bedroom at night by yourself? Is that fleeing? Is it fleeing to idly browse the internet late at night? It feels like it's putting yourself in, in harm's way, at risk. Flee. Is it fleeing to watch TV shows that you know kind of drive the, the whole show uh, with sex scenes or, or use sex as, a, as an object for laughs? I don't think that's fleeing. You're probably thinking, Jeff, that leaves like zero shows. And it's like, I think that's right. We, we live in a, in a culture that is awash with sex. And so to flee is going to make us look very, very different. Uh, a friend of mine who's a pastor um, once had a young couple come and join his church. They were uh, new Christians. Uh, they had come from overseas and from a kind of a different church background, but they were lovely Christians, um, enthusiastic believers, and they weren't married, uh, but they kind of arrived from overseas together and uh, came to church as a couple. And it took a, a few conversations, a few weeks getting to know them, before he actually worked out that they were living together and sleeping together, but they weren't married. And, and he said, um, sorry, do you know the Christians think that sex is only for the context of marriage? Uh, um, and they're like, no, we've never heard that before. It was completely new information to them. They honestly didn't know uh, where sex fit in the Christian life. And so my friend was like, well, that's kind of, the Bible says that sex is for marriage and not for outside of that, not if you're just dating. And they're like, wow, we never heard that before. Their church hadn't told them. They hadn't got up to that bit in the Bible. Uh, they, they just hadn't put it together. They were just doing what their culture did. But when they found out, they were like, right, well, you know, we have to, have to do what God says. You know, we can't live together anymore. And so one of them moved out. And they started trying to work out, well, should we get married? And started doing that. It was actually a beautiful thing. Because they came to it kind of without the information. But upon finding out what pleased the Lord, they changed. They wanted to flee sexual immorality. And they wanted to live in line with their present identity as people united to Christ with God's spirit inside them. Uh, what have we seen tonight? Uh, we've seen that how we live comes from who we are, from our future reality, what we will be, and from our present identity, who we are now. And think back to the start of this talk. We started by asking the question, what is your body? And we found some answers to that along the way. My body will be raised. Uh, my body is united to Christ. My body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. But that wasn't even the right question, was it? It wasn't even the right question. The question isn't, what is your body? The right question is, whose body is it? Whose body is it? See, it's not your body at all. If you're a Christian, it belongs to the Lord. Have a look at verse 19. Paul says, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honour God with your bodies. 
uh, he, he takes them to the language of the slave market. Right? When, when a slave is sold, uh, possession of the slave goes to the one who paid the money. They now own the rights to that slave. And he says, that's what's happened to you Corinthians. Jesus' blood has washed them, but it's also purchased them. That was what it cost. They were held as slaves to sin. And now God has set them free at the cost of Jesus' blood. And so Paul says, you Corinthians, you're not free. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. You belong to the Lord. That's the reason why they shouldn't go to prostitutes. Not because it's bad for their health or, you know, bad for their relationships or something. No, because they are not their own. They belong to the Lord. And if you're a Christian tonight, the same is true for you. We belong to Jesus, purchased by him. We are not free to do as we please with our bodies. We do what pleases him, knowing that it's for our best. And even just to say that out loud, I, I, I can hear how intensely countercultural that is, to say that we are not our own, that our bodies aren't ours to do what we please with. But to take God's word seriously on this is to change our whole way of thinking about ourselves. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. But the instruction here isn't just to flee sexual, sexual immorality, uh, but Paul says to do something positive with our bodies too. Uh, you were bought at a price, therefore honour God with your bodies. Honour God with your bodies. Maybe the question should have been, not what is your body, but what is your body for? What is your body for? And the answer to that is, it's for honouring the Lord. That's what your body's for. And what an amazing thing. What an amazing thing to think that the bodies in this room are for the Lord, for the purpose of honouring the Lord. To think about all the ways that you might use your body to honour the God who made you. You can use your body uh, to sit with someone uh, during this week while they cry, while they go through grief, to be there for them. You need a body for that. Uh, some of you are going to use uh, your bodies across the, the rest of this semester uh, to turn up here, to lead youth group, uh, to play games with them, to sit with them and, and, and talk about the Bible, to talk about Jesus using your body to honour the Lord. Uh, we're going to sing uh, just after this. And you're going to stand and take a breath and use your body to sing praises to God. You're going to use your body to clean up at home and serve the people that you live with. All these ways to use your body to, to honour the Lord, to cook a meal for a friend, to visit someone when they're sick. Use your body to honour the Lord. And yes... Use your body's sexuality too. By saying uh, no to our own agenda for sex. By fleeing from uh, the sexual immorality that we see around us in the culture. By listening to God's word about what it says, about what is good and right for our sexuality. And instead to live for him who died for us. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore... Honour God with your bodies.